Emily McDowell. And I'm Holly Whitaker. And this is Quitted. A podcast about quitting. <laughs> Good morning. <gasps> Good morning. I think the funny thing about doing a podcast again is just remembering how much how much it's just winging it most of the time. Oh, it's all winging it. Which it's is all winging it. This is like cable access, but for radio. That's what I was thinking about the other day. Really like, I don't know what they just give anybody a podcast. Well, it also we're just doing it like no one's giving us anything. Like no one's paying us to do this. No, no you know, no one's. There's no ad it. dollars. Like no, you know, no mattress no one company asked is us to do this. No, no, there's no, there's no like mattress company that's like you're misrepresenting our mattresses. Like no, we're just no, we're just out we're just, here. We're just doing here. This. With some shitty microphones in some Riverside, and um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so the first things first. Do we want? Do you want, do do you want to interview me about the Mandy Patinkin thing? Yeah, uh, let's. <laughs> that's very cryptic. The Mandy Patinkin thing today on Quitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so what's uh so 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 tell <laughs> Just, us about this. Tell let's get into it. Tell us about okay. this. Okay. Well, here's the story. So I'm so glad you asked. Um. So there's there's a local place like it's a pizzeria here and um the I have I'm really bad at flirting. I just am. I'm very 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 um not good at it. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like me like awkward or like uh unable to ugh. like it's uh, just like, like like I'll put it this way. I am a fucking excellent writer. I really am. I as good as I am at that, I am bad at many other things. And mm-hmm. one of the worst things I am at is is being like showing interest in another human being, showing sexual or like you know, like being like showing romantic any interest. Yeah. No, yeah. I just yeah. immediately I get mean. I'm just, you know what I mean? I think like <laughs> if I'm if I'm attracted to you, you will know it because I won't look you in the eye and I will um not smile at you and like probably be very dismissive of you because I, I don't uh-huh. know what happens to me, but that is. And uh-huh. anyway, so, so you're, had, you basically you turn into a fifth grade boy is what we're saying. <laughs> that's what right. we're saying. Okay. That's about yeah, that's actually like the most perfect characters characterization of it. And um so as you like so I have very bad obviously like I have I, it's not that I don't want to date. It's that I don't know how to date. And also I don't have patience for online dating and I hate everyone. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I could go on. Barriers. Um, right. There's a lot uh, there. And so anyway, but I have had – I've been interested in this guy and I've tried to make eyes at him he, and like in his restaurant, I used to serve coffee in the morning and whatever. And like so then I – um. And I was very bad at it. And I was getting a massage yesterday. And also, by the way, this is also important. At some point, I decided that he was gay because I also am typically primarily attracted to um, gay men and not like bisexual men who might be interested in me, but men who are repulsed by me um, or the thought of like a vagina. And I, it's just a thing that I have done many times. And I, I was like, of course, I'm attracted to him because um, he's he's not available um, mm-hmm. for me. And Anyway, I um, was getting a massage yesterday and my – like everything up here is so weird because it's so large. Like the territory that it covers is very large, but it's very small too. There's just not that many people. And um, my therapist said Mandy Patinkin goes to Ollie's, which is a pizzeria, and then he like advertised that this one of the owners there can't find a date. Now, I am moving back to California because I can't find a date either. And – um this is also the only man up here that I have like had a crush on. Um, and also have so tried Mandy to like, Patinkin, so wait, 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 <laughs> just like back up for a second. So, so you're, yeah. so Mandy Patinkin somehow is advertising. Oh, and Mandy Patinkin, you know who that is, right? You know who that is. Yeah. He's the guy from, um, that, from that show with Claire, who's the, what's it? Homeland, Homeland. Right. Oh, he's he was oh, Saul. Um, he was Saul on Homeland. He was also like in The Princess Bride, and like he's been in. A he was in things. The Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah. he was he's, like known um, mostly for The Princess Bride. I think of yes. him as Saul from Homeland. But, um, but anyway, so for some reason, Mandy Patinkin is advertising <laughs> that this guy can't find a date, and this is the guy that you had a crush on, who you thought was gay, and assumed yes. were, you assumed was gay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, and in, in part because he was not um, lured into my um, very, very passive-aggressive um, <laughs> advances on him. Like when you um, even say making eyes, I'm like, I'm so bad at flirting that I'm like someone – like to me, may, if I tried to do that, they would think that I had a staring problem or that I was like that's what, a, that's trying to put think. a spell on them or so, you know, something. Yeah, it would, <laughs> That's what they all think. I don't know how to they do that. They all think – why is this fucking weirdo looking at me still? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – I need lessons. Anyway, and so, um, so yeah, Mandy Patinkin from The Princess Bride lives up here. And I've seen him, you know, like like anything, like anyone else up here. He's just a regular at a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And obviously at Ollie's, which is our like our one pizzeria um, that is owned by this guy. And so my, my massage therapist – like, again, like, local knows these people says, oh, my God, um, did you see that Mandy Patinkin, like, tried to pimp out the owner of Ollie's? And then the guy got, like, thousands of letters. And so <laughs> I said, um, wait a minute. Like, it, you know, and, and then I and then I texted her later and I said, is it, you know, is it this guy? And, um, like, the guy that I've had a crush on for two years who's also, like, finding it extremely difficult to date up here and <laughs> – has to like go through Mandy Patinkin to like find somebody. And so anyway, long story short, I took this as like my moment, like, you know, Annie and Sleepless in Seattle, like how, mm-hmm. how like all of those women like reach out and want to date him. And then like Tom Hanks or whatever his name is in that. And then she, Annie ends up like being like, but I know it's me because I feel this connection. <laughs> and so I sent, this is just all preamble to say, I, I sent Mandy Patinkin a, a text last night to, or whatever, a DM um, last night that said, <laughs> hey, Mandy. <laughs> um, Loved you in Princess Bride. <laughs> well, but I also did it really neighborly. Like, hey, yeah. like, I, you know, I'm one of your neighbors, you know, what's up? Yeah. Um, I yeah like I know that a lot of people think they're the ones and also it's not even like about this guy being so special it's just kind of like I'm following the crumbs of the universe which is just weird like the one guy that I have a crush on up here I mean the yeah. one and I'm kind of feel like anyway what did you say yesterday you I said I called DM. you and I said is this dumb and you said I said is this dumb to be one of thousands of people and you said something that was really smart <laughs> Oh gosh, put me on the spot. I don't remember. Well, you said well, maybe said, this is like the unit. Like you said, Mandy Patinkin. Oh no, I can't remember it. I said, "This isn't dumb." First of all, and that maybe this is. I mean that this is, this is this is how shit happens. Like this is why you know. Like I don't remember exactly what I said. Um, well, either way, I don't care about dating this guy. I actually just want Mandy Patinkin to do what he did for this guy and like to, you know, <laughs> to put. So you are trying to get to your, <laughs> so you want Mandy Patinkin to be your dating service is basically where we're going with this story. Is yeah. That... <laughs> I mean, that's so I kind valid. of like, I, I figure that he'll take pity on me and be like, well, here's, here's another local that I can help. Hey, right. Like, <laughs> since I have your attention, everybody, about locals who can't find dates, I got another one for you. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So what's new with you? Mm, you know, <laughs> not a lot. Cool. I am <laughs> truthfully not a lot. I am uh, – just coming home. I, I got home yesterday from a weekend at the coast. Um, a friend of mine has a has a house out there that we rented for my partner's fiftieth birthday weekend, and that was great. And um, it rained like half the time, which I was hoping for like the whole time. I, my rain at the coast is my favorite thing. Mm, like if I if I were to have a beach house. Um, in Oregon or live out the beach in Oregon, I would use it in the reverse way that everybody uses theirs, which is nobody cares about the winter and everyone wants to be there all summer. And I actually Mm. love the coast in the winter. Mm. Like it's so punishing and like, but not snow, (laughs) not like punishing in a way that you can't go outside. Like it's so like, no, it just justifies my melancholy. Like it just justifies like what you mean. It's not, it's like, yeah, you can eat soup and, and you know, it's, Mm -hmm. and I love rain. I love walking on the beach in the rain. Like I love the drama of like beach 
crashing waves in the rain and you know I love running into the house like during a flash flood with a newspaper over my head and falling <laughs> I love the couch grabbing with my everything partner. I own and you know <laughs> running out the back door. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I've always loved. I mean, it was why I loved living in San Francisco. You know, because it was mm-hmm. it was always just moody weather, and I'm I moody. loved San Francisco weather. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's well, I mean, like it's kind of it's changed a lot. It's different than it was, you know, a decade ago. Um, yeah. I think it's far more warmer um, and less rainy, mm-hmm. less melancholy. But I understand. I have I have the same rainy soul. So Yeah. Um, love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I also love that Daniel's um, 50 even though he looks like he's 20. Oh. I, it's the – I mean, a combination for him of genetics and also – Working out eight a hours real a day. dedication to, <laughs> to fitness. <laughs> god bless him uh Um, all right so um shall we yeah so we have part two of our episode with liz gilbert today and this was such a wonderful conversation um just meaning i personally took so much from it Mm. i felt like when i this was because there's a part that we get into where we're talking, and I don't want to do any spoiler alert, but we're talking about something she reveals that's really shocking. And I just, it was like the kind of, I had a, I had a therapist years ago say something to me when I was going through all these cycles, like these really crazy romantic cycles. And I was knee deep in really toxic situations. And my therapist said, do you want to quit this behavior? And I said, no, I don't like, and she was the same one that I quit drinking with. And when I wanted to quit drinking, I was ready to quit drinking. And I think this conversation with Liz is like, it brought up that same reflection of she's the things that we choose. I think like the things we choose to keep engaging with, um, Mm. that we're not ready to let go of, even though we, they might be hurting us that there's, there's Mm -hmm. such a process and awareness that comes over time to decide what we include in our lives. That's distracting us from being alive and what we don't. Does that make right. sense? It makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. I think that that there have been things throughout my life that I say I want to that I say that I want to quit or that I say that I want to stop doing, but that when I really think about it, if I'm I don't stop doing them because ultimately I think I'm getting something out of it yeah. that is that you is greater are getting than my something out of that it. I am, right? Like I'm getting something out of it, some kind of some kind of reward or activation or some distraction or something that is greater than the desire that I say, which is that I'm, that I want to quit this thing. Yeah. That like, there's a piece of me that there's a piece of me that it's serving me somehow, um, in a way that I don't want to look at or that I'm not ready to see or, you know, that whatever. And I think, so I think that that coming to the awareness around those things is a long process and, and, um, because they're not, they're not, it's not always obvious how those things are actually serving. Like it could be obvious how they're hurting us yeah, or how they're, you know, but not as obvious how they are serving us. And I think that's what, that's what I love about this. Um, this, the, com- the angle of the conversations that we're having, because it's not like the tip, we're not really like focusing. Somebody yesterday said, I have, I have so many friends that are sober that want to talk about quitting alcohol. And I'm like, this isn't a a kind of show that's dedicated to quitting stuff that we are told we should quit. This is a show about quitting stuff that we're told that we should not like that we shouldn't quit. And I think that also like on the flip side of that, of being really interesting about like things that we leave that we're told we shouldn't leave. What about staying with the things that we're told we shouldn't be staying with? And I think that Mm. that's just as equally important in looking at the benefits of what we're told to quit and also the benefits of quitting the things we're told not to. Follow yeah, that? <laughs> I do. That was a, we went a little inception there, but mm-hmm. I did follow it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I, I so, really this is I think the if I had to choose children, I would say this is the better half of the of all of the conversations we had with Liz. And I hope you all love this as much as I do. Um I'm yes. I don't know if I could choose children, but I love them both equally. I'll say Mm. that. 
Um, before we get into this, just a quick reminder that Quitted is a listener-supported podcast. It is made possible by us and by you. And if you would like to join our patron community, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash quitted. Patreon or Patreon? I always say it wrong. Patreon. Who cares? Um, you know what it is. Patreon.com forward slash quitted. Um, we are also incredibly grateful for rating the podcast, reviewing it, sharing it, um, anything that you can do to help it get out into the world. Um, we greatly, greatly appreciate. That's it, right? That's, That's it. all we got. Okay. Liz Gilbert. You wrote something huh, in 2015. I'm sorry about the digital record of everything that everyone has ever said. Um, <laughs> On April 14th, I wanna, 2015. I want to apologize. I would, I would like to apologize. <laughs> you apologize for the internet. Don't take that on the Emily. internet. Yeah, no, that's it's, not it's yours true. to apologize I didn't, for. I didn't nor should you it. apologize for anything I put in public. <laughs> or if I had built it, I should. Yeah, I should. Yeah, anyway, um, you wrote this. You wrote a great Facebook post about the difference between quitting and surrendering as you saw it at that time. And I believe that it was when you were on um, book tour for Big Magic and someone asked you, how do I know when it's time to quit? Or how do I know if I should quit something? You know, how, how whether I, am I just, or how do I know if I'm quitting just because I don't want to do it anymore? Or should I stick it out or, you know, help? And at, And in this post, you said from your perspective, and I'm paraphrasing here, that quitting and the word quit, you know, is, is sort of basically making the like, fuck this choice. Like, uh, like it's what you do when you don't want to do the necessary work to keep going, which is not a value judgment. It's just saying, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. And that it was a sort of a life sabotaging. Like when you quit something, it was like a, it's like a, sabotaging your life, like self-betrayal or like allowing an afraid part of you or a lazy part of you to run the show. And that surrender and this, and really this podcast is what we're talking about surrendering if we're using your definition. And I'm going to read what you wrote about surrendering. Surrender is what happens when you come to the end of your power. Surrender is what happens when you have searched to the bottom of your soul and found out this truth, which is that you really can't do this thing anymore. Surrender is what happens when you don't have any more ideas for how to fix everything. Surrender is what happens when none of your survival strategies work anymore and your playbook is out of pages. Surrender is what happens when you turn it all over to God. You release your grip on the thing. You stop white knuckling it. You stop pretending things are great when things are actually horrible. You stop putting on a fake face or glossing over the problem or lying. You face the truth that you are not the most powerful force in the universe. You turn it over to fate. You exhale and let go. And then you go on to say that once you let go, once you stop fighting and pretending, you crack open to possibility and to letting life do what it will do. Mm. And um, I thought that that was when – when, when we came across this – I thought that that was really interesting distinction because this word and concept of quitting comes with a bunch of negative connotations and judgments. Like it's failure, it's bad, it's sinful because in our culture, perseverance is a virtue. Right. But surrendering doesn't have this baggage attached to it. And I'm curious how you came to make that distinction between quitting and surrendering, and also if you still agree with that distinction, if you still agree with what you wrote back then? Um, I, I'm trying to think what I was, uh, what was happening in my life at that time that, <laughs> that, was, that that was on my mind. And I, I can't remember. I'm listening to that and thinking, wow, there was so much that I hadn't surrendered at that point in my life yet. It's almost like I was writing from the future to mm. myself in that moment. Um, but, you know, I don't think you can surrender till you can. Um, and there was a lot of stuff I wasn't even aware of that year. Um, so I'm just sort of marveling at that. <laughs> like, that seemed like really good advice, Liz. You might have, you might have tried to take that advice. <laughs> I think you could have saved yourself a little trouble going forward. Um, 
you know, I think, uh, you know, I think that the difference now is that I maybe wouldn't even make the distinction because I wouldn't want to burden anybody with the pejorative sense that they had failed. Um, and so I think I would just lift the, lift the, this is the good one. This is the bad one. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I said. I said, I don't like this. I I don't like it either. When I listen to it, I'm like, that's a little mean. Somebody went Uh, away from that and was like, Oh, I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. Right. It made it, it puts a value judgment on one or the other. That's what I took away from it. I mean, I get it. I think it's great and beautiful, but I also was like, it doesn't sit exactly right. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and it, and I think it probably made some people feel bad and that's something I try not to do. So, um, and also who am I to know what the difference is? Between, <laughs> you know, like, like who, that was me and my, like, I'm the, I am the great sage of the social media world. Um, but, but, you know, I would say that I think surrender still is just, um, a friend of mine says surrender should always feel like Shavasana. Um, like if you've really let go, it should be deeply relaxing, but mm-hmm. that's interesting. Cause I've always struggled with that pose. I get really restless. In mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe that's not the right thing, but I do think that the, the, the idea of surrender being the place where you reach the end of your power. And, and I think for some of us who have a very high tolerance for pain and discomfort, um, we stay often in things for a really long time to tough it out, to prove that we're tough. And lately I'm more inclined to say, quit sooner. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> quit, quit the moment the discomfort begins. <laughs> don't, you know, like, right, like, get don't out, get out before it. the police right. have to be called, you know? Right. Um, and I look at, I look at, especially at a lot of women that I know who are who really define themselves in their relationship by how much they can tolerate mm. um, and and sort of see that as a badge of honor. Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe it is a badge of honor. I know in my family, a lot of the women in my family see it as a badge of honor, how long they can stick and stay mm. um, in. Yeah. And I, that's a badge of honor that I don't want to earn is that I like sucked it up and endured. Um, that that's, I'm not interested. I'm really not interested in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, the last relationship that I was in, I left after four months rather than four years. And I consider that to be a tremendous victory. Yeah. Um, because I am in touch enough now with the, the really vulnerable and tender parts of myself who I have adopted and take care of my little, my little homies, <laughs> all, my little, all my little ones and my little babies. And they were really being hurt in that relationship. And I didn't do what I used to do of trying to adapt. Um, I just, you know, one of, there was just one night where one of those little ones inside me just said to me, please get me out of here. And I said to her, I'm going to get you right out of here. And within five minutes I was dressed and my bags were packed and I got her out of there because it was a really bad situation for her to be in. And I didn't try to make it work, you know? Um, and, and there was even this conversation with that person who was like, basically you're quitting. And I'm like, yeah, well we can either, you know, we can fight for this, but I don't, I don't do that anymore. You know, (laughs) like I don't do, you know, I don't do that anymore. This is, I have an obligation to all my parts to take care of them. And this is a bad, this, I'm not believing in this. And so I'm going to go now and save both of us a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache and a lot of money in therapy that to try to get one of us to become a totally different person than we are. And I don't do that anymore. I don't want you to become a totally different person and I'm not going to become a totally different person. So I'm out, you know, and, and I'm so, it feels like real progress for me. Um, because the part of me who doesn't want to be a quitter in the past would have stuck around for a lot more pain. Oh, it's huge progress. I mean, I just think about the amount of cultural pressure that we're all under an influence to, particularly in relationships with everything, but marriage is set up as a, like a failed marriage is one that does not last until you die. <laughs> like that's how, no pressure. you know, that's how we set it up. No pressure. 
And when a relationship, when a relationship ends before one of you dies, people say, <laughs> I'm sorry, it didn't work out. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what is the purpose? What are we supposed to be doing here? Like, and it's such a, when you think about it, it's so bizarre. And yet this is the, this is the cultural expectation, you know, that we have. Well, what I was hearing too is I think two things. One is I think that there is what I've experienced, you know, as I've gotten older is, and again, like as I've done my own work, is a sensitization, right? Like which is I think toughness is also sometimes numbness, right? Like it's just the ability to not notice how bad it actually is or the amount of damage that it's doing to you. And I think that like what I hear from that is also just sensitization to what's actually happening and recognizing what's actually happening and the degree that it's happening. And then I also hear just like – I mean it's it's – it's exhaust like i i also just don't have much tolerance for for thi- for things that i mean not, there's not much time left you know i mean there's a lot of time but there also isn't and it's really precious and i think that i don't spend my time doing things that i absolutely don't want to do anymore and so i hear in that story those two things which is just you value your time and you also are sensitized to pain Mm. And and I also, because of my commitment to take really good loving care of myself, I've learned that I can actually take better care of myself than anyone else can. (laughs) And that gives me a lot of freedom to leave situations because I'm like, well, I've got Liz, you know, she's my priority and I'm going to take really good care of her. And I know I can take better care of me than you're doing right now. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like, I know that I can be more devoted and sweet to her than you are. So I'm going to go be sweet to myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to go be really sweet to myself and just give myself a really good life. Um, So I'm not still trapped in that thing that I was in, in the past, which is I need somebody to provide that for me. Yeah. The piece of that, the piece of the surrender quote back from, from, you know, 2016, Liz, I want to defend 2016, Liz, for for a minute and say (laughs) something that I think was actually, was really useful. It felt very useful for me in that was the distinction between self-betrayal, when staying is self-betrayal, that Mm -hmm. that's a good, that that can be a useful barometer to use when deciding whether to quit or to stay in something. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you know, and that's what we're talking about here too, is when somebody's trying to make that decision, that idea of is staying, ab- abandoning this myself. Yeah. That's really yeah. well put. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the fundamental rule now is no self-abandonment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't know, like something looks like it's going to be really good. And then you find out, you gather more information and you're like, oh, I thought this was a parachute, but it's a backpack full of cinder blocks. <laughs> <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> uh, this is no good. Yeah, this is no good. <laughs> I thought this was really good sushi, but it's puffer fish that hasn't been well cleaned. Like this is yeah, deadly. Right. I got to get away from here. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I also think in that, like the, I, I kind of, when Emily sent me that Facebook post, I also thought you might not, when I read it, I thought you might not agree with it. And that's actually what I told Emily that that's why I wanted her to ask, like, is it, do you still believe that? Cause I think that also just to defend 2000, it was 2015, Liz, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, I also think like, that's just part of the bravery of creating is that we're constantly putting stuff out into the world that we outgrow. Um, yes. And so it's, which is like, a, which is also like a, a thing that I've quit, which is worrying about what a former version of me said. Right. And that's like that right. Gandhi quote of not being committed to consistency, but being committed to the truth. And I love mm-hmm. that we included that, that because I followed you on Facebook and I read a lot of the stuff that you wrote over those years. It was really important to me and it helped me a mm. lot. Um, but I'm not the same version I was then either, right? And I think yeah. that like – and I only got here because I read stuff like that, right? So 
And Facebook's not the same person anymore either. <laughs> what is no, Facebook anymore? Facebook I'm not even on Facebook like anymore. Terrible aunt that you don't I'm ever want to invite to Thanksgiving. It, and that's like the it's exact. like go home, Facebook. You're drunk. You yeah, know, like you're embarrassing Bye. the family. <laughs> Can you guys believe Facebook said that? Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> I go on there like once a month just to see what that pe- like what people are using it for. It's very strange to me. It is a very strange thing. Um, it's very strange. It makes my head hurt like a pinball machine. It's it's painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So of all of the things that you have quit, Mm. what are the ones that from your perspective are the most important ones? Mm -hmm. And they may not even be the ones that the general public knows about because there are these things that are sort of public pieces of your story. But then I imagine, we imagine there's so many other things that have not garnered public interest, but that have maybe made a a much bigger impact on you as a person. I think um, that right now I would say, so for the last, I'm almost three years sober um, in across the board in a bunch of different ways. Like I put down, I put down a lot of stuff in the last three years. Um, and put down is sort of a different word from quit too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I think of putting something down as the way I envision it is that there's this great bonfire, this great divine sacred bonfire. And I offer it to that, you know, and, and I put it on the fire and then I always hear my higher power saying, now don't reach back in and take it back out. <laughs> you know, you put it in, leave it, like leave it. And there's a, there's yeah. a, there's a tremendous faith in doing that. It's a very sacred, I think of putting something down as very sacred because oftentimes it leaves you in a, in a void um, where you don't have ground under your feet for a little while because that thing was providing some sense of, um, comfort or, or so, I mean, I put alcohol down, I put drugs down, I put sex and romance down. Um, and I've been celibate for almost three years as a decision, um, as a decision of self-partnership after a lifetime of, you know, we can call it being a free spirit, except for why did I always end up enslaved? (laughs) (laughs) If I'm such a free spirit, we can call it like, you know, following my heart, then why did I always end up feeling like I had lost my way? You know, like there's, and also we can just say that was what we were doing then. And all of it led to what we're doing now, which is not doing that. Um, And not looking to the other, to not looking for the the missing part or the missing pieces in the arms or eyes or heart of somebody else. Um, and, and that was a lot for me to put down because that is a, that is a big one for me. And I just put it down and I didn't put it down for a certain amount of time. Um, like as a cleanse, I just put it down and, and I feel like I'll be notified if I'm ever supposed to pick it up again but I have not gotten that notification yet at all. Mm. Um, in fact, I long only to deepen that um, because what I've gotten out of putting that down has been nothing less than dignity and serenity and prosperity and mental health. So my partner Rhea died four years ago and there were a lot of things I reached for after her death as comfort. And I reached for psychedelic drugs. That seemed like a good idea. And for a while it was, and there's a a large argument out there in the world that it's a really good and healthy thing. But because I, I do have that mind that says if one one of these is good, 10 of these is better. Um, it became, uh, it became a problem for me. And the biggest problem was that when I was doing those psychedelic journeys, even though we were calling it plant medicine and shamanism, I never wanted to come back. Um, and I know that I'm in addiction when I'm in a state that I do not want to come back from. I know I'm in addiction to a person when I want to go into a room with them and lock the door and turn off all the electronics and never come out. 
You know, like I know that I'm in a state of addiction with a substance when I cry when it's over because I don't want to be back here in reality. I just want to be in that place. So I put that down. Um, and yeah, and I put social media down. Um, I put down, um, I'm trying to think of what other things I, I put down, um, a lot of ambition, a bigger life. I turned down a lot of, yeah, I just went inward. I just went inward and it happened to coincide very nicely with the, the pandemic. Global <laughs> um, inwarding. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody was asked to sit still for a while. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that putting the big, the biggest thing that I'm quit and it's an ongoing, it's a one day at a time process, but I would say the thing that has impacted my life that I have quit is looking outward to people, places, and things to change my internal mindset and my moods. And when I put all of that on the divine fire, what I felt was an invitation from God, what I call God, to say, do you think you can learn to just handle being here on earth unaltered um, without any of the stuff that you use? Do you think you can just learn that embrace the incarnation, as Ram Dass said, um, because I don't, I have a lot of objections to the incarnation. I'm like, I don't really <laughs> want to be here. I don't really want to be here. I, it's too hard. And that's why I've like filled my life with things to mm. not have to feel the sort of karmic dilemma and predicament of having to be a spirit trapped in a human form. I don't like it. And um, so I'm always trying to get out of it. And when I put it all on the fire and walked away from the fire, it was me agreeing to God to say, I agree to the terms of being a human being in this form, in this world as it is. And let's see if together you and I can figure out a way for me to be able to live um, with all of it, with all of the pain and all of the loss and all of the grieving. And um, so I think that's the big one. And, and mm. yeah, that, that one hasn't been so, so much in the public view. Um, that's obviously been internal work, but, but it's, it's, it's been a really fascinating time. I mean, I've been, I've been present for all of it. Mm. I mean, I have, um, that hits because I think, uh, I, I've been in recovery for, you know, since 2013 and I, um, the levels to which I can see how much I resist being here and feeling what it feels without distraction. I understand like the pure concept of what it means to be here without altering your state, right? By any means. And I also have, you know, fortunately and unfortunately that awareness of all the ways I distract myself and how much I understand my level of resistance to just purely being here and existing. And I'm not there. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. And I also know how far away I am from wanting to fully, I have experienced a lot of being here and, and painful being here, you know, by removing certain substances or behaviors. But I know that I'm not willing to, I know I'm not ready to go to what you're talking about. And I think that that has had to have been I mean, just in some ways excruciating. No, I mean, I, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it has. But the other stuff, the other stuff ended up more excruciating. You know, that's the thing. Like the sure. other stuff was sure. making, causing more problems than it was solving. Sure. I um, understand. Yeah, but it's also, and, but it doesn't take away from. No one really does, you know, like monks, nuns, like. Well, Very that's who really I kind of like, I've always been drawn to that, you know, like yeah. I've always been, that's always been a thing that I've been drawn to. And there's a line in the big book of AA that says like, well, we don't want to be monks and nuns. And I'm like, and well, like, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually really do. And like yeah. that, that's very appealing to me. So, um, because it's, ex I mean, cause it's, ex I, so me same, when I first got sober, I made friends with a bunch of nuns because I was very fascinated by the idea. I understood what it meant to give myself over to God. And I knew what it yeah. meant to like to want that more than anything else. And I do, 
but I'm not, you know, but like also I'm still in like the like, you know, the like incarnated and still like experiencing. I'm not there, but it it beats my heart. So I I understand that, but I also it's like To go to anyway, it's. I I hear. Listen, I hear you. (laughs) I'm feeling you. I'm actually feeling you because I'm like, this is my dialogue right now internally. And the biggest, trickiest thing is me saying to God, like, well, then what? You know, like, Mm. you know, God doesn't. (laughs) God doesn't want me to be a nun or a monk because that, in a way, is also an extreme behavior. That's what I was saying. It's Mm. it is it it is right. It's a it's almost the other side of the yeah a neighbor to my neighbors where I live. Mm, Like God wants me to be a good friend. A householder. God (laughs) wants me to be a householder, although not a wife. Um, And I mean, that may change someday if I, if I'm notified, but like God and I are in agreement that that's best, best for me not to be a wife. I'm not very good at it and I don't like it and I don't do well in it. But, but um, yeah, God wants me to not have to be special you know, and one of the things that 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 I hear a lot when I do two-way prayer is I hear at the beginning of my two-way prayer practice, I needed so much love poured into me from God because I had given up on trying to get it from men and women. So what I got was a God who kept saying, like, you are my beloved. You are my precious. You Everything I ever wanted a lover to say. You are my everything. I will never take my eyes off you. You are, you are my most favorite baby. You are my this and that. And then now that I believe that, it's, it took like three years for me to believe that, to build up a, a sense of believing that I am precious and loved. Now I'm getting this new kind of next level message from God saying, now, what if you didn't have to be like, yeah. you know, that I love you and you know that you're precious and you know that you're special, but imagine the liberation if you didn't have to be special. Um, and that's where we're at now. And mm-hmm. we're just playing with this idea <laughs> because, because I've, to be special my whole life. Um, yeah. but it hasn't really, I mean, in some ways it's worked and in other ways, you know, at the level of like the existential angst, it hasn't, you know? Um, so, so now it's like, can you just be, you know, a bozo on the bus? <laughs> like yeah, I understand. Else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know the answer to that yet. We're still, we're, this is new, but this is what's coming after three years of putting down just having to learn how to be a normal person, you know, that's something I've never really known how to do. Yeah. So whatever that even means, can I, I mean, I think the biggest question is, am I capable, am I capable of embracing the incarnation without having to alter it, make it grandiose, make it super fancy, make it wild, make it thrilling. Like, can you just be here and be okay? Um, In New Jersey, which is where I am right now, which is a good place to practice just being normal. (laughs) <laughs> it's on the license plate new jersey welcome a good to place normal. to practice a good, a good place to practice just can you embrace new jersey liz like can you yeah like you can embrace like a, what is it it's like a friday if you can embrace a friday afternoon in new jersey you're good yeah. <laughs> i um i very much relate to what you've been saying about this practice for me personally, this, the last two years has been about the practice of being, trying to try on being, being regular. And by that, I mean, having it be enough and finding meaning in learning how to make food and making food for myself and my family. Um, my, you know, my boyfriend's kids and it be it being a good friend and not just just being just that the purpose that that i spent so long believing that we had this purpose that that humans you know that i am here for a purpose like that there's a reason and there's a you know that that i must fulfill this mission i must do this i'm you know uh make my mark or leave a legacy or something. Mm -hmm. And 
I have come to the understanding or I'm coming, working on coming to the understanding that for myself, all of that feels like bullshit Mm -hmm. and that my purpose is just to to be a person. And (laughs) it is both liberating and terrifying and hard and also such a relief to put down the idea that I'm supposed to be special or that I have to be special or achieve something. I have, you know, I have said in a few different places that I spent 40 years trying to achieve my way into happiness Mm. before I realized like, wait a minute, this is not, that's not fucking how it works because none of these things that, that have been quote unquote achievement have actually brought happiness have actually brought joy or lasting satisfaction or any of the things that we look at when we think about a life. I am so, I'm just taking notes actually of what you just said. That's why I was, um, because, uh, um, and so Everyone I know suffers from purpose anxiety. And Mm -hmm. even the people who, when you look at them, think that they've really nailed it. When you talk to them, they they suffer from tremendous purpose anxiety, that they feel like they betrayed. You know, there's this story that we've been told and and I think we've been duped by it. I think it's a very inhumane story, but it's, it's universally agreed upon. Everybody tells you this story that every person has this one divine spark that makes them you know, that is their, their one, um, unique contribution to the world that mm-hmm. only they can do. Your divine and your assignment. Whole, yeah. Yes. Your divine assignment and that your whole purpose of life is to find out what that is. And then once you find out what that is, you're supposed to nurture it and curate it and, and like foster it until you become the master of it, the very best in the world at it. And then you are supposed to give that out into the world as your great Mm -hmm. gift. And as that offering, you should also, by the way, create a lot of jobs for people and (laughs) inspire them. And, you know, and then the last piece of it is that you should leave the world changed um, by you having been here. It's even when I talk about it, my armpits literally just started to sweat. Every time I think about that idea, it causes an anxiety response in me. And um, I think it's incredibly inhumane. It's also a little bit chaotic because if it's true that each one of us is supposed to change the world and there's almost 8 billion of us, that's could explain why the world is so chaotic. Everyone's (laughs) trying to change it. You know, like it doesn't really even line up. The math doesn't even really work. The math doesn't work. Um, Like, right. We need, it doesn't make sense. We need us to work with what we have. Right. And you also just don't know, like, I'm, I I just, I want to read you guys this poem that I wrote called you may go now, which is actually what, what we're talking about here about leaving, about quitting. And I, I, I wrote this after I left, after I was going through withdrawal from leaving social media. This is how I felt God spoke to me. Um, he says, you may go now. You keep thinking the world needs you, but you don't even know what the world is. And if you did know what the world was, you still might not know what it needed from you. And if you did somehow discover what the world needed from you, you might be very surprised by the answer. The great whirlpool at the center of the river does not need anything from you. Water enters, water leaves. The vortex maintains her own velocity. You may go now is what I am saying. In fact, you must. Mm. If you think that that feeling can be true of whatever it's time to go from, you know, you may go now. <laughs> you have permission well, it's just to leave. Such a relief, and I think that when both of what both of you have just said is also something that we talked about on my episode because I believed I had this very, very divinely inspired purpose to build a recovery company, and then that didn't work out. Like it didn't work out at all, right? And without that purpose centered me, and it gave reason to my existence. And without that, there's no reason to exist, right? If we're so locked up in this mm. idea that you are only here to fulfill this specific purpose and then that gets taken away from you, then you are just tossed about and what is – there is no point, right? And I think that in that, one of the things that has continued to speak to me, I don't know where I read it or saw it, but it was just something about 
the lineage and the like the like I w- I just finished reading last night the 600 page book by David Graeber um the dawn of humanity or new dawn or some I can't remember the name of it I, it was 600 pages so I, I can barely remember anything about it um but in it they talk about how many many years it must have taken to create to figure out that yeast goes in bread, like thousands of years, right? And how much time and accumulation and experimentation and the lineage that goes into all of the things that we just take for granted. And I think one of the things that has, like going off of what you were saying, Liz, this idea of like flipping this, like this idea that like, you know, go moving from we need to be special to count to like also like finding this like kind of radical like opening within not being special. I think the same thing goes to what does it feel like if I'm just part of something instead of the star of something, instead of that much pressure for me to make my life count, make it have the right kind of purpose and have it last beyond my death in some form of legacy. And so I think it's, I do feel a lot of people are, I know I feel very, very pulled to the opposite of what I thought was so important, you know, for most of my life now. And I know I'm not alone in that and that you're not alone in that and that Emily's not alone in that. And I think that that's what like the, you know, quitting is one thing, but I think like, it's like that, that poem you just read was like, you can go now, you know, feels like the whole point of it, which is like, you can set all of this stuff down now. Like all of these things, you know, we're not yours to carry, right? There is a there's another piece of it, which is there's a tremendous hubris to believe that we know what the plan is. I mean, you in order to feel that you have created your divine purpose, you have to assume that you're in on the deal of mm. like you're in on the, <laughs> the <Right>. big picture, <laughs> right? And like, or that you have any idea what you're even looking at, you know? Um, and and that's hubristic. So there's a humility in letting go of that. And 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 I there's a story that that I would love to share about this realization I had about exactly that, Holly, which was that um, I, like two two three years ago, before the pandemic, uh, actually probably right before I saw you, Emily, I was in California um, for a speaking event. I had some free time in the afternoon, so I went for a walk in Venice Beach. And and I the key part of this story is that I was free. I had free time. So this never would have happened if I didn't have free time. So like, this is already part of it, which is that I happened to just be present to this. Um, So I was just wandering around with nothing to do, no purpose, purposeless wandering. And, um, and I looked across the street and I noticed that there was a gentleman standing at the top of a very tall ladder, painting a sign, um, like repainting his sign on his awning of his storefront. And I have really good ladder safety skills because I grew up on a farm with a jackass father who used to do such fucking bullshit with ladders and chainsaws and ropes and his daughters and like his wife, like it was just such nonsense. And so I like grew up with a mother yelling at me, like, go hold your father's ladder. You know, like, so I have this reflex (laughs) when I see somebody being reckless on a ladder, like I was trained to, to not let people fall off ladders. So I intervene, intervene. Yeah. I was just, that's part of my training. So I crossed this four lanes of traffic (laughs) and I held the man's ladder for about a half an hour and he never saw me because he was busy doing his thing, but I was relaxed because I felt safer because I was like, he's way too high and this is a shaky ladder. So I just held his ladder and I had nowhere to go. This is the important part. I had nowhere else to be. I had nothing else to do. So I could just sit there for the, for a half an hour holding the stranger's ladder. And then when he started to come down, once he reached a point where I felt comfortable with his level of safety, I just gently peeled off and walked away. And he never saw me. I never saw his face. He never knew I was there. And as I was walking away, I thought, what if that was the entire purpose of my life? <laughs> We—it's just as I mean, good a but, fucking guess as anything. 
It's as good a fucking guess as anything. We don't know we what's don't going know. on here. I don't know the master plan. What if the whole reason I was given incarnation was because they needed someone in Sector 7, Region 14, <laughs> you know, Avenue whatever, yes. 6 at 2.0 hours to hold this dude's ladder because yep. he was essential to the ongoing evolution of something. And like <laughs> I had to grow up on that farm with that jackass misbehaving father and his ladders to be present to that moment and just hold the ladder. And, and what if I had served my purpose in that moment and now I am free? Like what if everything else I did in my life was just killing time till they needed me to hold the ladder? We don't, it's a, <laughs> prove me wrong. You can't prove that that wasn't my life's purpose. And because you can't prove that that wasn't my life's purpose, then we should just give up on the whole question yeah. of life's purpose yeah. because it can't be proven. It's just a theory that we all spread to each other like a virus to make each other sick. So like, it might as well have been, I don't know. So now I'm more in the line of like, do the next right thing. You know, just do the next right thing. When you see somebody on a ladder that's shaky, hold it. There's your your work mm-hmm. for the done day. <laughs> the yeah. work for the day is done. Yeah. There's garbage on the ground, pick it up. You know, like a dish needs to be washed, wash it. I don't know, like that's it. What if that's yeah. it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love so. that. It also, it goes into this thing that Holly and I were just talking about during our sound check, which was her Holly's episode is airing next week where, where I interview her about her story. And she was like, should we edit? Should we edit some out? Is it okay? You know, should I cut this? Should I cut something? And we don't know what parts of our story are going to land with other people. Right. And so what I said was no, like, just leave it. Let it run. Well, I just said, do I need to listen to it again, basically? Because yeah. I just yeah. didn't even want to listen to myself. Well, you said, do I listen to it? And should we cut it? Or you have no edit? Because I said, no, it's good. And you were like, you have no edits? And I was like, well, no. Because I've been thinking about this myself with my own work is that, you know, you just put it out there. Yeah. And then. And then. The, and then. It ha- you don't and then it's, know. You right? don't know. You don't know. There is. Yeah. There is you don't know what piece of what you have brought to the world is going That's to right. be somebody's ladder holder. Yeah. You know, like you don't, you, you have no way to know that. So are you saying it's okay that in 2015 or 16, I might've put something on Facebook that now I don't agree with because oh that might've saved somebody's <laughs> life that day. But I think it, but I, but yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> And in fact, and I did, I did see many, many comments saying, oh my gosh, this helped me frame up a problem that I've really been wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And this gave me clarity. And so thank you. Yeah. So. Well then. Just, I, just, I guess we just go about our business with a little I, bit of humility. Right? And like, and with a little bit of fun. I mean, like the, the thing that I've been trying to do and work with this space and time where I don't know what I'm, I, I, I don't know, right? I don't know what the point, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And all of it just feels kind of the same, like start a podcast, write, you know, write another book, whatever. And so I have been trying to just enjoy my life. You know, like trying to, which is, a, I know that sounds very basic, but we don't do, we're, there's all this. The last thing we ever think of doing. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah, the last, last thing. The last and idea. it's like, first secure the money, you know, then mm-hmm. like make sure that you're using your time wisely. Did you exercise? You know, like all of the stuff we put as like high priority and what I, I'm just like, can I just enjoy this? You know? And so just went and got my nail. I spent $90 on my fucking nails because it makes me happy. It's a silly thing, but it brings me great joy. And I feel like I I believe, I have to believe that if I just follow that, right, and follow those things that actually make me feel good and bring me joy and make me want to get out of bed in the morning, um, that somehow it works out. And when there's something that they need you for, you'll be notified. And I will be notified when you they don't need have me to, to seek go it. and hold the just ladder. Be, just, just announce to them that you're available and if you, they need you to notify you. And then when they need you, you'll be notified. They <laughs> In the meantime, me to move to get LA. your nails done. There you go. <laughs> A couple weeks ago. So, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> 
congratulations. Uh, they told me to dye my hair a little bit blue. I saw it was blue. So yeah, I, I just noticed that. Um, I couldn't tell that. whether it was just my screen, like whether my graininess on my screen was No, it's blue. That's I got blue. a little, I'm like half Smurf today. So. I love it. It <laughs> looks love really it. good. It's really good. Oh. I love it. Well, Thanks, guys. this, I mean, I just, you know, for what it's worth, all of what you have put out into the world has been extremely important to me. And I think that I hope you know, I mean, even though, right, we're in this, the part where you're not special. Um, I hope <laughs> you know that, you know, to me, this is really special. Emily knows you. I don't, you know, I've, I've followed your work and, and I, you know, I know of you, but I, you've been an incredibly important fixture in my life. And so it's, it's such an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. You're just, um, the real deal, you know? So oh, thanks, yeah. Holly. Yeah. It's been a joy. And as you know, I like, this was a full body. Yes. Yeah. You know, which is a really good, like when you guys asked me to do this, I was, this was, a, you know, the, the adage, if it's not, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like, don't do stuff unless it's a hell yes. Like this was such a hell yes. I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I want to talk about this. <laughs> and I love that you're talking about this and helping people think about this and be okay with themselves about this and not feel shame about the things that they've walked away from or put on the fire. Um, it's a great service that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again for being here and for, and for having that full body. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I just, I appreciate you so much, Liz. Yeah. Me too. You, Emily. Bye Holly. Take good care of your beautiful selves. You too. (laughs) Be nice to you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Quitted, a podcast about quitting, hosted by Holly Whitaker and Emily McDowell. Our music and sound engineering is by Michael Blumenfeld, and our producer is Kathleen Kizich. Quitted is made possible by us and by our listeners to support the show. Join our patron community at patreon.com forward slash quitted.